Welcome to Zero Ambitions podcast. Can retrofit be a noble undertaking? Earlier this year, on the 8th of February, the Republic of Ireland published its National Retrofitting Scheme. This week, we had the great fortune of speaking to Eamon Ryan TD, the Minister for Environment, Climate and Communications, who led the charge on bringing this programme to fruition. It comes after many years of work and building a strategy that is evidence-based and long-term in its thinking. We touch on the practical, the political, on learning from mistakes and using the right language to inspire people. So to quote the minister, hasten slowly and give this week's episode a listen. We hope you enjoy it. Eamon, look, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, uh, It's quite a time i mean you've you, you you've delivered something pretty extraordinary i think here with with this retrofit scheme um uh what's what's your sense now of of how it's been received for starts oh thank you jeff um we've delivered success uh, an overnight success which has been 20 years in the in the brewing um and a lot of people involved um we, I've been a member of Parliament here since 2002, but even before that, Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland started some of their retrofit programmes back in 2000, I think it was. And we've learned a lot. You, like, you learn from mistakes, you know, you learn from how. And, and so, but I think we are at a turning point in Ireland. And I think the launch of this new retrofit, National Retrofit Scheme, is very significant. And... And the public really picked up on it like two weeks ago we, we launched it and i don't think i've seen a response similar to uh, to anything we've done in the past it really for whatever reason high energy prices um big grants people <laughs> irish people love a, gr- a good old grant and um and and also just a lot of preparation and a lot of thinking and there's a lot of people involved in that. And I mentioned a few. Jeff, you have a role. You were there over the years in kind of asking the right questions and nudging us all the time. Um, my advisor in this is a guy called Paul Kenny. You'll know Paul is formerly of the Tipperary Energy Institute. They were probably one of the best, at the first and best at uh, deep retrofitting here. So, and he's been very involved. But also, I'd say our department and SEAI, they've... they've um, uh and, uh and the timing was right like we had the money <laughs> we had we had access to a lot of money to to be able to make hopefully now organ well this this leap and and i think um i think also going back to just the response we've got is because uh it, it, people do realize in their that they want to improve their home and and this is um this is kind of close to them or essential to them and and I think it's well. I just I think we're at a similar point in time. I I went to um, a play in Dublin recently. You know Gabriel Byrne, the Irish actor, and he he had a one man pl- play where he was uh, he was um, going to his life effectively. And people may not know before he was an actor, he was a very unsuccessful plumber. And in the early seventies in Dublin, he was he was an apprentice plumber, and he was a hopeless plumber. But at the time, everyone was getting central heating, heating like everyone. Mm-hmm. And we were upgrading our houses from open fire led heating systems to central heating systems. And do you know that keeping up with the Joneses way? Like just, and I can remember it. I'm old enough to remember. Have you got central heating yet? It's and 
And in the short two or three decades, every Irish house had central heating. 97% of Irish homes had central heating. Uh, not thanks to Gabriel Byrne, but to that kind of, <laughs> that kind of like we, we are, as Con Hoolan once said, we're like a flock of starlings. We all move in one direction and then we all fly in another direction. Well, I just got a sense at the moment, Irish people, and I'm sure it's the same in Britain and elsewhere, are, I think, are cottoning on to, it's time to move on from that oil and gas fired central heating system to a heat pump and insulated uh, building system, heat, still with central heating system. And um, and I think similar in the same way that from the early 70s for two or three decades, we changed every house to central heating. In the next two decades, three decades at the max, probably less actually, I think, we will change every house towards this B plus rated system and and largely heat pump uh, and district heating. I, I don't think we should forget the importance and the role district heating is going to play in this new phase. But um, between the two, I think I think it's going to hit. I think it's gone. It's going to go a little bit viral now in terms of. I hope anyway, and, and that's and our job is to make it viral. The people wanting to improve their homes. Um, I think it's. I mean, I'm so I've been so excited about the opportunity to speak to you about this because we're actively campaigning all the time over here for a national retrofit strategy. And so I'm fighting great urge to move home <laughs> and be part of it. But um, it's absolutely brilliant. And I wonder if for all our listeners, if you could give a brief overview of what actually the natural, the natural, the national, uh, maybe it is natural, um, retrofitting scheme in Ireland actually is about. So can you give us the, the, the bones of, of the scheme, please? Now, I, I'm going to fly at a high level over everything. Because, so Lovely. I'm hang me on the details, <laughs> but because, uh, but um well, first and foremost, I think what's part of it, it is, I think there has to be an element of social justice in it. And I think it's very important. You know, we've, an, we've a, as I said, a lot of money. We have an 8 billion euro budget. This year, we have 267 million in my department and 85 million in the Department of Housing and Local Government. But in that, um, I think 58% of my own budget and all of the housing budget is going towards effectively 100% grant um targeting those at risk of fuel poverty um targeting those with on disability allowance or, or, or other um living alone allowance or you know the, those who are who are most in need and i think it's a very important first step is first houses we should be doing are, are those who, who need it most um so that's the first thing and within that I, we are very much targeting the older homes pre-93 where they typically would be, I don't know if your BER and your building energy rating system is similar to ours, but but the deep the houses before 93 in Ireland, we, we changed our building regulations in 91. So anything from 93 onwards was you typically get a D plus. Mm. Well, so so we're targeting first of all those ones prior to that because they're the worst fuel performance and, and first worst health outcomes. Um that's the first thing. And that's very much uh, the SEAI contracting and and uh, um, managing, you know, end to end the. And it is very much moving away from where we were previously, as doing bits here and bits there, to really doing the full package uh, of measures to get up to a B plus, um, and not restricting someone who might done something small before, saying, "Oh, no, you can't come back into this scheme." To say, "No, you're welcome back." And, and so, so that's the first element of it. Secondly, I would say, and this is the one that's slowly cooking, but it's, starting, it's coming to the boil in a good way. I think, secondly, if I was like at principles, how we want to do it, I think the community approach, where you 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 bring you aggregate, we 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 bring uh, neighbourhoods together, and 
and not just domestic, you look at maybe community buildings or other buildings we do at the same time. So that has been growing. I think we've owned something like 600 energy communities now involved, and it's been going for a good few years. I'll be honest, like in so much in this space, it's been slower than we wanted, but I, I think it is starting to really work, engage. And I think the attractive thing about the National Retrofit Plan we have is the grants are kind of standardized. So, you know, for the heat pump, depending on type of house and so on, size heat pump, but, you know, it'll be a standard six and a half thousand euro grant. So now whether you're on a community scheme or whether you're doing it in your own house or whether you're doing it, the, it'll be the same standard um, choice of, of grant support. So and I think that'll help the community um, system, the community approach. So that's the second element of it. The third element, and no, not saying any, well, I think social social element comes first, but the third element is, is um, the creation of this one-stop shop system. So that is where we will have a, um, we will register uh, agencies who would be pulled together at the capability to, to draw down the finance, to including grants, to do before ass assessment, measure what you need, to do the contracting and, and make sure the work is properly done and then to show you after and so on. And um, and that one-stop shop approach, we, we won't, it'll be starting in about two weeks time. We'll have the first, we'll have the people registered uh, is key. Then fourthly, fifth, fourthly, um, we're introducing a loan element. Now this will be later in the summer, uh, early autumn, but what we've done is we've used um, European Recovery and Resilience funding. So that's now to those in the United Kingdom, that's when the European Union does something where you can collectively benefit from it. Don't uh, close, Eamon. Don't close. I'm not saying it's an European initiative, but um, involving the European Investment Bank, good bank, um, where we take the first quarter of the loan and we use European Investment Bank capital and our own funding to de-risk the loan. So, so the risk of default we cover that first quarter of that, which covers like there's not high default risk on, on retrofit lending. But you, by in doing that, and that's very low cost capital, um, you then bring in pillar and pillar banks, and and their the remaining seventy five percent of the loan is at a much lower rate. We expect it to be around three and a half percent, whereas the standard bank lending rate for this to work might be about six and a half percent ordinarily. Now, as I said we're we're just we're jumping through. This is the downside of all the European Union. We're jumping through all the European Union hoops at the moment to make sure that's all tickety boo. But um, we will have that in the autumn and late summer. And I think that's another key element because even with the very high grants, you're still looking you know, on an Irish, average Irish semi-D, you might be looking at 40, 50, 60 grand. So, so even with the high grant, um, you know, for a lot of householders, 25 grand, 30 grand is, you know, who, who has that to hand? So having that low-cost loan will make the numbers work and, 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 and help uh, deliver it. We also then we have some emergency measures in response to the energy crisis, some kind of um, uh, attic and wall insulation grants up to 80%. And that was just done as a deliberate mechanism to, we think in some of those measures, you can be quick, you could get a payback in a year or two, you could save something like 20%, 25% in your bill. And at a time when energy prices have gone up 25%, that's a better, that's a good response in my mind to the immediate energy crisis. Um, there's lots of more elements, and I, I could go into kind of the variety of deals and details of it. One thing I'd say is part of our overall, and, and this is controversial politically because the main opposition party doesn't agree with it, Sinn Féin, but I do think, back to the money, the funding, what's interesting and really good uh, model, I think, in Ireland at the moment 
is that we have introduced a carbon tax, which increases every year. It's 41 euros a tonne at the moment. Uh, next year's budget, it'll go up without the government having to do anything. It'll happen automatically, uh, as long as we don't interfere. It goes up 7 euros a tonne a year and um, up to 100 euros a tonne by 2030. And we've committed finance, the Department of Finance, our Treasury, have committed to uh, guarantee that funding to go 30% towards social welfare increases, which are targeted at people at risk of fuel poverty. Um, and we've shown by doing that, that the budget in the last two years has been progressive, protects those on the lowest deciles. Um, secondly, 55% is going to this retrofitting program. So that out of our 8 billion euro state investment in, in retrofitting in the next decade, in this decade, five and a half billion will come from carbon tax revenue. And then the remaining one and a half billion, 15% of the revenue roughly, is going to small farmers environmental schemes. And I think um, the benefit of that, there are various benefits, is that it gives the industry a clear signal that says there's funding for this. It's not just one budget. It's year on, year out. The funding is going to increase. And it just gives a certain sense of certainty around that. And I think that is, that's very um, beneficial. Lastly, I'd say as part of that, and there's many more aspects of this retrofit plan, but it, a lot of it's around skills and the introduction, well, there's two other elements I have to mention, two other important ones. Uh, one is the skills basis where we've introduced 5,000 apprenticeship programs. To apply anything to the UK from Ireland, you multiply by 13. It'll give you the equivalent, you know, kind of give you a sense of scale uh, in population terms. Um, and so we need about 17,000 new workers in the next three years, I think we're looking at. And um, that's a key element of it. That's a real shortage, a real constraint we have here. So getting that right is important. Um, and it's uh, it, it's uh, it's very, I think, again, one's, what's been good in the last two weeks is that the phone's been running off the dial in uh, in Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland to manage these schemes, but it's also been hopping in the apprenticeship courses because we've got a huge public response. We've just I, I use every opportunity I get to say to the Irish mammies, tell your son or daughter to go into this because this is where it's going to be a career for 30 years, well-paid, good jobs. Lastly, and, and sorry for being long and winded, but you asked me the question, Jeff or Sarah. It did. Um, um, one of the things, the interesting thing we're doing is, and it's in conjunction with the London Tropical School of, Med of Tropical Medicine, I think it is, where we've done a very detailed survey of a large number of houses who already got the sort of upgrades project we've been doing to measure some of the health and lifestyle and comfort benefits that are coming. And we, we haven't published that yet. I think it's next month or two that we, we'll be kind of... a but that kind of bringing an assessment of, of the comfort and health benefits, not just the climate or the um, bill benefits, is, is I think I think this whole thing is about selling cosy homes that are you, where you're jealous of your neighbour because they come down in the morning in their pyjamas and the heat of the dinner the night before is still keeping the house warm. And that's kind of very ephemeral, but hard to describe. But that fundamental shift in the quality of your home is is a further element in the, the national retrofit scheme. It's amazing. It's a, an, you know, an evidence-based approach rather than just knee-jerk uh, policy kind of, you know, with U-turns and whatever, whatever you can to generate the right newspaper headlines. It sounds fantastic. And in that regard, the heat study uh, that's just been published, I think, is, uh, the, by the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland is, is, is very interesting. It, you know, it looks like there's it just it's 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 nice to feel that there's people um, in charge who who, who kind of know what they're doing and who are who are uh, who are uh, now just you know I have to wait until I've pro properly managed to probe this to 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 pull it to pieces of course um, um, but um, 
you know, and and to, and to be relying on on people with expertise and experience in the industry, in terms of the likes of Paul, for instance, to provide mm-hmm. advice on, on on the design of the whole scheme. So uh, it's 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 a strange position as a journalist so far to be finding um, not really too much that I can yet attack in it. <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's actually achieving. I mean, I I I I can't quite believe that it has come to pass so quickly in a neighbouring. Um, country um, when we feel so far away from it in lots of, of frustrating ways here when we know that our the industry has been calling for this a lot you look at any industry group over here the construction leadership council has has been calling for this we as ACAN and our households declare campaign have been calling for it and um, there's a lot there's a lot of that around and the the fact that we have this active and live very long term I mean I think what's great about it is that it's so um radical. It's radical in its long-term thinking and and more than just its long-term thinking, you put in what sounds like multi-annual funding behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, that builds trust, that builds the um the capacity. Um and and these are all the things that we've been saying like surely this is what makes up the pieces of a puzzle to make it last and to allow it to build. So you invest heavily at the beginning and then you build that confidence. And you also invest in skills because I think one of the the questions that we had around the one-stop shop system and the skills to deliver all of this is, you know, presumably you've looked at that and in investing in that as well to encourage it. And so, yeah, I think there's just a lot like, it's very hard to kind of pick through and get to some like really like interesting questions just right now, because there's quite a lot of praise in the room here for what you've done. Um, I haven't got it, I haven't got it spectacularly wrong over the years. Uh, No doubt will in in many ways in the future, but uh, like, but we used to do this like annual budgeting where you, contractors would have to wait until February or March in terms of here's your budget for this year. Then you'd work through the summer and then you'd down tools again and wait, wonder what, like that, like that was really stop start. A, a lot of it's driven by climate as well. Like, and I think actually if there was one good thing I'd say or the number of good things that's happening here on climate, we do climate on a consensus, not a divisive basis in terms of um uh, we've done some really interesting in our parliament, um, parliamentary committees, planning and thinking about how do we need to, what do we need to do. And we need to, you know, we want 2, 2 million, 2.1 million homes, 1.5 million need of retrofitting to, if we're going to move away from burning fossil fuels, which we need to do, we all know that in the next two decades. And it is, you know, we will do half a million house a decade and and um, to the steep retrofit standard. Um but the politics behind it is that's not a divisive issue. That's uh, now will be divisive when it comes to the likes of carbon tax is divisive or the likes of, uh, you know, are you doing are the grants high enough or whatever. But but I think what, what has worked here is the collaborative political approach, because then civil servants get a signal and and it just it, it takes it out of the um, that political uncertainty is reduced. Yeah. Can I say one other thing? I say because it is, and I come right back here now. But I think um, people who've been good at this and, and interested and informed me certainly. Jeff, I don't know if you remember. There was a Danish parliamentarian, Anna Greta Hamsgaard. Do you remember her? She was yeah. a, a green equivalent in the Danish Parliament back in the early two thousands. And through, um, and she, we brought her in at an early stage. I mean, they would typically be good at energy efficiency and so on. But they were. She was particularly good. Because I think she got the the kind of, a, not the, what's the word for it? It's not about the status of this, but, you know, recognising people spend 20 or 30 grand on a fitted kitchen within a blink of an eye, you know. And and partly it's that so they can show, look at my lovely Tuscany marble and my copper pots. Whereas the difficulty with retrofitting is you can't see it. And it's technically complex and it's nerdy and, 
uh, but you can't show it off <laughs> by very definition. It's in the wall. You can't feel it. <laughs> you, you sure can't feel it. But I remember just coming back. This is 20 years ago. She really got this in a sense. It's 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 the importance of getting that sense of the feeling bit being better is is what was really um, what what would win people on her. What what would win people over? Now it's taken us a long time to scale up to where we are now. But but I think there there yeah there are lots of other strands that influenced. I had a question, Eamon. I think it's it's um, it's really quite heartening. I think we've we've um, uh, living in the UK. We had the heat and building strategy from from Bayes, which was fairly mute on um, on some of the, the the fabric measures that that we would uh, we would advocate for. But what's interesting, I think, about what your government is doing is is sending a clear signal to the market that the market should prepare and and, and should ramp up and should prepare for this decarbonisation agenda for this retrofit agenda. And, and that's that's one of the, the tasks that government should do. But has there been modelling as well to look at the economic impact, the economic benefits of how that will uh, affect Ireland in a positive way in, in, in terms of, because I think quite often the, the right-wing press perhaps in the UK talk about the cost of retrofit. And what we in, in this podcast try to do is, is demonstrate the value of that. And the value of that, as you mentioned, is partly about thermal comfort and life and quality of living but also there's a great opportunity economically to transition in a way to a much more sustainable model and I just wondered if those figures and facts had come into your thinking as administration. Yeah it has and I suppose going back to uh, my own I was Minister of Energy from 2007 to 2011 lost my seat after that and then came back and minister again um, from in this government um, but I, I, we were involved back in 2007, and Jeff will remember this, where we raised the Irish building standards. We went, uh, we went, went into government as one of our objectives was to improve the building standards. At the time, actually, ran into huge opposition, including controversially from the architectural profession elsewhere. We said what we were saying couldn't be done, and um, but um, but we did it, and it was very interesting. Even a few years later, even by t- time 2011, I remember I was um, I don't know who told me, but. Suddenly, out like, like mushrooms in a darkened room, we are in a darkened environment. We had an Irish retrofit building suppliers, providers, industry started to grow up. And actually, they were selling into the UK market just because we happened to be a year or two ahead of where UK building standards were. And out of nowhere, suddenly you've got a sector. And and okay, so I give I name three companies. Now these aren't um, they, they weren't they weren't the ones who were involved in that. Or they were maybe somewhat like Kingspan is uh, based up in you know big big insulation company, Glen Dimplex down the road in County Loud. They make heat pumps and are good at this. How electricity integrates into this, and a third company, one of my favourites down in in Southwest Cork, in the middle of nowhere. Now Sleeve Lucre is the name of the, but we're talking. Um, not close to any big centre anywhere. And Munster Joinery, who make windows and doors there, they export to New York from, you know, it's like the Yorkshire Dales, uh, big centre selling into. And there are companies I always turn to and show as example, because there's very few Irish companies of scale. They're of scale, those companies, and, and they're directly involved in this industry. So so that, I always tend to, being a politician, you go to the, you know, you go to the specific examples uh, to kind of inspire people. Um, I think the biggest and I suppose the real interesting issue now is, is on the job side. Like we know we'll need about 30,000 people to do this work. Um, it's complicated because at the moment, like the strange thing on the economic case is 
We also need 30,000 people to add to our housing constructions task force. So actually, this it's a weird world at the moment where in some ways, if you're saying, oh, we want 30,000 new workers, that actually is a constraint rather than, a, or, or it's a kind of a, where are you going to get them from? Mm-hmm. And I think we will get them. And, and I think, um, and I think the attractive thing about a lot of the work in this is that there's, it, it, you don't need a PhD to start. The, you know, you can come in and start doing some of the, you know, what I said there about the, those grants for cavity wall insulation, fitting or attic insulation. You know, after a few weeks of training, people would be able to start into that and then scale up. And, and I think, um, uh, so I think there is that there, there is that sense that this can be good for us, but but I I don't think that's the winning argument at the moment. The real winning argument is around probably the this is the better way of addressing the fossil fuel high price to pay, even though it's you know an initial upfront large capital expenditure. I think there's an underlying truth everyone realizes. Like Ireland relies on 90% of our energy comes from imported fossil fuels. Nine zero, like we're we're at risk. We're we need to shift away. And, and that basic economic imperative is the one I'd probably go with first and foremost. I think uh, really keen, though, Eamon, to, to pick up on the on the employment issue. And this kind of partly relates to messaging. When you mentioned the apprenticeships issue before, um, I uh, my mind got cast back to 2011, 2012, that kind of time. And I remember statistics coming out from the construction industry on the dearth of apprenticeships for plasterers and and plumbers and so on. It was in some of the trades. It was, I mean, single, literally single figure numbers. You know, um, in terms of apprenticeships, and I think the construction industry's image took such a hammering, um, in part because uh, because of what came out of the woodwork in terms of the, the the very poor quality work that 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 we saw during the Celtic Tiger years, um, and the sense that that builders, you know, were, I don't know, not it's not always probably fair sense, but the, the, the cowboy kind of builder cutting corners and so on. Um, so, you know, I just, for me, it, it feels like one part that I'm really pleased to see with this scheme is that there's, there seems to be a lot of consideration of the, the messaging and of kind of, you know, communicating and rebranding what what this 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 is as a sector. Um, but uh, you just see the, uh, the the potential here to connect the dots and to make you know in term and in terms of growing the workforce to do this. Um, I look at the likes of the uh, school uh, strikes for climate movement, for instance. You know, um, I look at the fact that there's nine thousand kids a year in in Ireland doing construction studies and the leaving certificate in Ireland, um, and they've got extra- an extraordinarily building physics literate syllabus with detailed questions around, you know, designing the ductwork for a heat recovery ventilation system for a passive house. I mean, banana stuff, you know. Um, so uh, it just feels like there's there's an opportunity there um, if uh, if government and industry can kind of come together to to, uh, to, 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 to tease this out and message it in the right way to get people to reconceive of construction. As in, uh, you know, and as retrofit as an industry that's kind of that's STEM, that's part of the climate fight, um, and that's got great secure prospects for people uh, for, for their career into the future. No, I agree with you, and um, I think you're right. I think the construction industry's reputation took real battering here because of our building boom uh, and bust and the financial crash. And the, the advantage of, with this sort of retrofitting work is that it's it's three decades steadiest, you know, it won't, it won't be as boom and busty. 
Um, it's not as speculative, you know, in terms of it doesn't require, it doesn't have the complexity of all the development model that housing and all the issues that housing has. So hopefully it, it will be much more. I think second, you're right. I think I, again, as well as saying to the Irish mammies, go and get the job because this is well played, well paid and will be uh, very consistent. It is also, if you're, an, if you're in Extinction Rebellion, if you are that kind of type, which is climate committed, well, you're a climate hero if you're a plasterer now. You know, you're a climate hero if you're if if you're working in this in in carpentry or in insulation, and 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 that's not insignificant as a um, that sense of purpose, that sense of you know for sense of pride, sense of of passion for what we're doing. That's all in this. Um, so I think yeah, I think it is. I, I think that's we shouldn't be shy of of painting our construction workers as frontline climate heroes, along with farmers and foresters. Hmm. Well, I was going to say about the fact that, you know, having had an experience that you've had in the past of raising the the um, building standards, um, and that this is also like another rebirth of, of an industry that actually needs to happen over um, a long period of time. And so there's investment required for the um, apprentices and so on and so forth. There's a great opportunity as well to look at what materials we're using and in the life cycle of all of those those buildings, the circularity of that system as well, particularly when you're an island that becomes more, you know, um, much more aware of how much you're importing, how much you're exporting and how much materials you're reusing. So there's this opportunity as well to also upskill as well as continue to build those skills there's like you know introducing natural material natural materials low carbon um materials as well and actually that is something that's really really exciting and at the forefront so a lot of this has a great opportunity to pull in on lots of the um creative tendencies that ireland will have as well so for me as an architect working in um in you know residential projects i'm very i'm, I'm all for you know, the notion of building nothing new and working with what we've got. And actually there's massive creativity in that. And I think there's just still a little bit in, in sort of architectural education, which is all about wanting the new shiny thing. And that follows through in lots of our industry, in fact, where actually the new shiny thing is just about a mindset shift. I say just about a mindset mm-hmm. shift, but that's quite a big thing. But there's a, a huge opportunity for recreating what this is and therefore accessing accessing a lot of other people um to draw them in to to deliver this because there's there's a there's a lot around this it's not just about sticking some external wall insulation on some homes it's about you know delivering wealth in communities it's about improving the quality of people's life it's about reducing the health burden it's about all of those things that are often talked about as co-benefits but we all know are actually fundamental benefits of doing this um and and by investing in something that is long-term, we start, you are going to end up with the proof to show that actually, yes, all those all those things that we thought would happen can happen. Um, and I, I, I wondered going right the way back, if, you know, a programme such as this needs policy in place in order for this programme to be able to come out off of that, have you got advice or foresight about what sorts of things you know, countries should be doing? And basically, how do we get the policy that you got? <laughs> how do we how do we campaign in a really meaningful way that sees that that policy become the, 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 the groundwork to build programmes such as this? I'm nervous around it because my obvious answer is vote vote green number one, but but that would be... I'm already easy. doing that. That's oh, not working over oh, here. Oh, <laughs> well, change your voting system. Sorry, that would be the first thing you'd say. <laughs> 
and um, we joined the union, but uh, um, put that aside. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, um, sorry, it's a, it's a very deep question in terms of, I, I, first of all, I'd be very reluctant to tell the UK what to do because UK, let's be honest here, the UK has been, has been a leader in lots of different ways. It's not all bad in the United Kingdom. Your, your UK policymakers have been good and they've been good on climate and they've been, you know, so it's, we'd, we'd learn a lot. From, I, I'm very nervous about us starting to be the high mighty telling well, what to do. Maybe let me put it another way then. What, um, you know, in terms of the landscape across the UK and Europe, you mentioned, um, you know, the Danes being, and we know that the Danes have been really great in district heating and, and, and also in their general approach to energy efficiency. I mean, I guess what I'm getting to is that, again, this is a radical, it's a radical programme. It's one that lots of countries um, and nations across Europe need to bring about. Who else is with you? Do you know? Like, because we're... No, no, we're... I, I think everywhere. I think it's starting to happen. It is It is that kind of going viral moment where, where people are, you know, increasingly seeing this way to go. But can I say, just because you mentioned it there, and the reason I, I emphasize district heating earlier on, because we have done a lot, like we're doing good work on climate at the moment, in term, not in terms of reducing emissions yet, but we've certainly done a lot of good work on the, the politics and on the planning and on the legislation, learning from the UK. I mean, the UK climate law was the was a template for ours, but it is good. And, and that's giving us a lot of good. And we've also then invested resources in, in the likes of our agencies, new staff to, to, to be able to do this sort of thinking and modeling. And what comes out of it is we will need district heating at scale. And, and I think um, in Irish context, and, and that's not easy because our whole model, unfortunately, our development model has been ever outwards. And um, often with, the, if we just briefly with the kind of the uh, ill-intended consequences of, of a good intention, like we we left our city centres when we got our independence, it, they were in squalor. They were um, the the faint memory of well, sort of cholera and typhoid, but also the living evidence of tuberculosis. And and, and so we moved out to Garden City Estates in Dublin, the likes of Rohini and our uh, the likes of um, Kimmage and and um, Fairview Marino and so on. And that worked. We loved it. So we we kind of then we will we keep doing that. So then we moved out to the further suburbs. And it, was, it wasn't quite as good. You couldn't walk to town, but there was still, I had my little garden front and back and I was very happy, even if there wasn't a bus, or the local school wasn't there yet. But we still liked it and loved it and grew up families there. And then, so, and we kept going out and out. So we've like, like this is why I'm reluctant to us be telling anyone else what to do. Like we're, we're the equivalent of Tucson, Arizona when it comes to bad planning and sprawl. And, um, and I think what you said is interesting. I think there's one other aspect of the retrofitting that is actually real potential that in the retrofitting, like we also have these 19th century stunning market towns in Ireland, which which are in danger of, um, Valerie Mulvin has written a book about this recently in, in terms of um, how you how are we going to revive them? And I do think retrofitting is part of that because I think getting people living in those 19th century, very hard to, to rehabilitate for housing, but, but we do know that that's an essential element in bringing life back into the center of villages and towns and cities. And so what you said there about the really smart architecture now, but not necessarily all shiny new big budget things, but about repurposing and um, and I think retrofitting is part of that. I, uh, and I think particularly with some of the new exterior insulation, they kind of it does it creates something you know deeper alcoves or the kind of whiter finish or whatever which can make it shiny and new looking, but actually being a, a repurposed. Uh, and I think the design of that, of, of, of that public realm, urban realm around 
um, bringing people life back and bringing using existing properties is where retrofitting could have a very significant impact uh, and particularly needed in Ireland because we've such a throwaway culture when it comes to old buildings, you know, and, and just ever outwards, build new, build new. Very, very pleased to see um, with regard to vacant buildings that, uh, that, that there seems to be a government focus in that regard. Uh, I note um, uh, the Minister for Housing an, uh, announcing some policy in that regard recently. Um, yeah, that's um, good stuff. But learning from the Scottish, like I think they did the town centres first thing first, didn't they? Or I don't know if that was, but uh, so it is that sort of town centre first and tackling dereliction and vacancy is is very central to a lot of government thinking here at the moment. It's fantastic to see. I wanted to say as well, Eamon, that it's been very pleasing for, for me. I mean, if you take the likes of the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland, I've, you know, uh, not always uh, had the greatest relationship with them. It's been up and down, you know, um, and we've cr- I've crossed swords at times with them. But recently, uh, for instance, in discussing this this uh, specific scheme, um, I've been very impressed. Um, uh, th- 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 there's a sense... I think they the, the, there's a sense of uh, maybe maybe the, the less pressure in terms of resources that's probably helping to some extent, but there's a sense of openness um, that I've not really seen there before. I mean, I've been go- coming um, for, uh, forward to to you know program managers and SEAI recently on this regard, asking questions about uh, you know proposals for, uh, for what 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 could be added to a scheme like this, and I haven't been sh- flatly rejected. Uh, <laughs> which is an unusual experience for me, frankly. <laughs> um, so, um, you, you know, uh, I'm one, one of the areas that, that I was keen to see, because there's, there's some reference to circularity and to green public procurement in the scheme, but uh, embodied carbon, uh, and you know, we're making great strides as an industry in starting to, to, to calculate and quantify and benchmark uh, embodied carbon in buildings. Um, and if anything, it actually it makes the case for retrofit over new build, of course, and that's always too once you, once you start doing this. But there can be fairly substantial uh, impacts in embodied carbon depending on the strategy you take to retrofit. Um, so it feels to me like with the advances that we're making here that this is something that could be added to the scheme uh, comparatively quickly um, and that could start to inform the, you know, the, the measures that, that are being taken. Uh, is that something do you think that, that that's uh, potentially on, on the agenda? Yeah, I think we're only at the start of this, and I think it will. Like in 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 general, across so many different areas, we have to dematerialize our our development and and also um, reduce emissions from the entire supply length of the supply chain. So that will steer us in that direction. And um, and yes, absolutely. And um, particularly, I mean, we have a real problem on new build. In my mind, we are much further behind than they are in the UK. I think is some said recently there's about a thousand buildings in the UK high good scale cross laminated timber or wood kind of structures i think we have two and um and and then i think you get a crossover some of the materials in one will help in the other so yes is the answer but but that's for the honors maths that's the that's the bright architects to to come at us with with clever ideas absolutely uh, i wanted to also ask sorry for for cutting in i want to ask um what, I'd be keen to know what kind of measures, as, as positive all this looks, you know, how can we be sure that that the one-stop shops, for instance, um, are and indeed in the single measure schemes that 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 these schemes are being properly that the works are being the retro works are being properly designed, that the people doing uh, the, the, who are who are specking out the works are competent 
um, and that they're making decisions that are appropriate for the building, given the complexities that you have with existing buildings. Yeah, because I think we're over here very keen on the role of the retrofit coordinator in terms of both assessing the, bil- the building, making a, a building plan, and then following that through and making sure that it's not just lots of independent measures being done with lots of unintended consequences that cause more problems. So I guess we were keen. I mean, I wasn't going to ask you that question because you were doing such an eloquent job of talking about the big picture, but now we're down to brass tacks and we want to know about this stuff. <laughs> well, I think we've learned from mistakes there. I mean, I remember going back, Jeff, you said like in the early 2000s, we were doing a lot of stuff and you were raising at the time saying, hold on a sec here, this could be you, that that particular insulation mechanism will leave, lead to damp problems and, and permeability. So it's like, it's not as if we haven't, like we're 22 years making mistakes here, which should. And I do think in terms of the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland, I mean, that is their job. They have to, you know, quality and making sure that the, the registration and the regulations are, are fit for purpose. And I think one of my job is just to be rigorous in terms of, of holding them, you know, holding them to account to make sure we, and if we do find those problems coming, well, then you then you hold them to account. And and I that shouldn't. I think we're long enough learning some of this that we should avoid some of the real basic mistakes we made in early days. No doubt there'll still be mistakes made, but but I don't think we're not coming at this fresh. Uh, well, I'll have to try and um, uh, you know hold back on the kind of no, the. Do you know what you need more than anything else to make that work? Journalism. Good that's what quality. I was going. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Good quality journalism holds people to account and and exposes complex issues in a way that people can comprehend. If ever anybody laid a gauntlet at your feet, there, Jeff. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> My wife is a journalist. That's what she. she oh, that's. Oh, I see. That was for her benefit, not mine. Okay, thank you. No, no. She said she said it on radio on something on some other issue recently. I mean, but I think she's true. Journalism is part of the. Journalism holds people to account. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's so. Sorry, sorry, Alex. I just wanted to. Push you. I, I just wanted to. Um, I think I was coming back to the, your your comment about the importance of talking to the people who actually live in these homes and and promoting the the comfort aspect and health aspects. And I was just wondering from a practical perspective, because one of the things that we need to do here is share experiences. We've just been talking about how how we, we, we all make mistakes and mistakes are actually part of the process is understanding what, where things go wrong, but then using those to inform the successes. So I'm just wondering if you had any ideas or practical examples of how to talk to homeowners and, and show them that these benefits are not just for a technical pit of insulation on the wall, but actually about how it will benefit for their families and, and their communities as well. Well, a large part of it, like we're applying the agency that Jeff mentioned, Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland, has gone from, I think they're getting an extra 100 staff between this year and next year, or this year, last year. Uh, and I think a lot of that is going to go into some of the communications, behavioral um, follow up uh, side of this. And uh, uh, some of the work they're doing has been around the language we use. Um, this is Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland. And for example, they don't like the word retrofit. They're always given out to me. Say, don't say retrofit. It's house. It's home upgrade or home improvement. Yeah. And uh, it's very hard because everyone uses the word retrofit. And I don't know if we'll ever we'll ever change. But there, that's just some of the work they've been doing. It's around what because we often work, you know, geeks on this and and you kind of love the the more complexity but for a lot of people they they their level of of uh it's very hard to engage and and so we do need to use language that allows them um in to understand and to kind of start to get the sense of this so so that is and and, and maybe it's less retro retro uh less retrograde retrofit and more um 
uplift and upgrade. We talk about that a lot about not using that word and um and actually it's it's more emotive than that and it's part of the part of the difficulty of capturing the benefit of this is like it's it's many things. We really have one word. It's you know and we we've been talking about healing our buildings and healing our homes and making them better and knowing that they're worthy, they're worthy of improvement and they they serve us and we love them. And it's it's actually a very emotional thing. It's your home, it's your, it's your, it's your place um for you know security and, and respite and actually speaking on those levels and making it more comfortable and secure, you know, and safe, those things matter. It's just very hard to package that up to something that's very tangible. Can I tell a story about backing that up? Um, this, and the site looks slightly long-winded now, but uh, uh, years ago, I was involved, we were involved, a number of us looking at how do we inspire people to make the leap we need to make to address the climate challenge we face. And we were, and we all admitted that we were getting it badly wrong. We, we had kind of shamed people, feared, terrified people, get huge complexity in people, put all the responsibility on the people. None of it had worked. I said, oh, God, he's going to talk about climate again. He's going to, he's going to shame me and make me feel guilty. And people switching off. And we, so we, there were some simple thoughts that came out of that work. We did a lot of work around stop by asking, stop telling people what to do, asking for their help, admit uncertainty. We don't know all the way this is going to evolve technologically and elsewise. Um, sometimes this is a hard one, hasten slowly, because there's such a sense of urgency. But you actually if you come across as you're panicking and you've got to do it quickly, you make mistakes and, and you come across as someone who's going to make making mistakes. Um, but, uh, and there was a whole range, we need the patience of those who built the great cathedrals in Europe, that the, the top stone will be put on by our granddaughter or grandson, not just ours, in this big project we have. And, um, but very much it was speaking to the heart rather than the head. And we also started to develop a lot of thinking around the narrative around home and protecting home and bringing it back home. And there was at, at this event, we'd all leading people from all over the world. And there was an Irish fiddle player, Martin Hayes. I don't know if you know Martin Hayes. Oh, yeah. Absolute inspiration. Can you yeah. see the fiddle in here? <laughs> I, I saw your fiddle and your banjo. And Martin Hayes is like Yehudi Menuhin of Irish traditional music fiddle playing. He's, he's, he's a genius. And he's also brilliant, uh, interesting on climate and a whole range of other issues. So, But Martin came along and his wife came along, a Spanish lady. And... Um, and I was kind of, oh, geez, we don't have enough places and how we're we going to organize it. But in the closing session, after four or five days working and thinking of this, she blew my heart open when she said something really simple at the closing session. She says, I know nothing about climate, but I know how to look after the heart of my home, to look after my children and my future. And there was something in it that just stirred me, that sense of desire to protect, that sense of... Um, yeah, something noble or something fundamental in terms of we we have a we have a mission here to do, and that it's looking after the heart in the home, yeah. the center of the home, the the warmth yeah. of the home, the health of the home. And I'm sorry if that's a bit abstract and a bit hippie, but to me it it I keep going back to it because when you're emotionally blown away like that, the way I was that day, it doesn't leave you, you know. And, and that's what we're doing. That's what we have to do, all of us. Yeah.